Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. Good morning, everyone. Who's happy to be in the house of God today? In this atmosphere, come on. Holy Spirit was moving. I believe that Jesus is going to break some chains today and uh, that the joy of the Lord is really going to give you strength into this week and the rest of your life. And if you've not ever encountered Jesus today, he's in the building and get ready. He's about to rock your world. Okay. And if you've been on the fence, Jesus is about to push you over. Okay. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, hey, um, 32 weeks ago, my wife and I found out that we were pregnant. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. No, she, she came around that corner. I was sitting on the couch on, it was like, a Saturday morning or something like that. She's like, all I hear in the back is, Alex? And I'm like, what? She comes around with tears in her eyes with the freaking stick. She's like, I think we're pregnant. It says pregnant. It's got the two lines or whatever. And I was like, nuh-uh. No, my entire life flashed before my eyes, bro. It was, it was game over. I could have died right there. I would have met Jesus and had a long, she, yeah. Then she'd be on her own to be a single mom. I don't know what's going on with that, but we're not going to do that. I was also joking. I'm, 20, I'm about to be 28. I'm almost 30, which means I'm almost out of collective. So I'm going to just start, I'm going to stop showing up. Carly's going to be coming with a kid. 30s. But 30s could be 39 and a half. And that's kind of, all right, all right. But anyways, Dad instincts kicked in, okay? For those who have kids, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. I don't even know what I'm talking about yet because the kid ain't even here yet. But I can kind of relate in the beginning stages. I had to be super dad. I started to freak out going, oh, oh my gosh. Well, I, I have to have everything figured out by November 4th or else my life is for naught. I got to make as much money as possible. I got to get everything ready. I got to get the nursery. We got to spend all this money over here, and then I got to buy all this stuff, and then I got to start investing. Well, how's he going to go to college? What if he even wants to go to college? Are we going to have enough money to even think about telling him the C word? (laughs) College. College. Oh, my gosh. And then I was like, well, now I got to get strong. I I have to have dad strength. I got to cure myself of all this dad bod stuff. You know, all this dad bod talk. I don't want to have a dad bod, okay? I want to have a six pack. And I go back and forth. It's, hold on, someone just roasted me. Have I ever had a six pack? Don't ask me. (laughs) Don't ask me. Man, Bud Light? Boo. Okay, everyone's like, wow, stocks went down. Ask my wife if I have a six-pack, okay? Okay. Uh, too soon. Okay. Immediately, I was like, I got I to gotta figure this out, man. I got I to gotta start selling more cars. I have to. I even went through this minimalism phase where I was like, okay, well, I have so many clothes. I don't know what to deal with, and that's messing with my brain, and I can't make all these decisions. So now I got to, like, buy really expensive clothes, but, like, minimalistic clothes that is 
easy to just grab and do because that's what Mark Zuckerberg does, right? He's just got like 50 black shirts and he just picks that because he don't have to think and then that makes him rich and he knows what he's doing, apparently, right? Elon Musk, you ever seen him with a floral shirt on? No, he's in a black tee looking like a box, okay? Weird body structure there. Some might say he has a dad bod. He's the richest man in the world, bro. And then I was like, I got to start taking cold showers. Because, because according to TikTok, if I take a lot of cold showers, I'll be a different specimen. I'll have more testosterone. I'll be cured of illnesses because I go to the cold. The cold doesn't come to me. Right? And then I started drinking. I found out, I looked at the top of our shelf, and I saw we had this big old glass thing of apple cider vinegar. And, and then at the bottom it said the mother. And I'm like, what in the world is the mother? Who knows what the mother is? All the, all the mothers. Like, we know that's the stuff that kind of sits in there, and you have to shake it. And apparently, now, I'm, I praise God I Googled it. I would have chugged that thing, because... All I've heard people say is take ACV, take apple cider vinegar, and it's going to clean you out. It's going to keep you full. You'll get a six-pack or something like that. You know, you'll be healthy. And then I started putting Himalayan salt in my water because, you know, i got to stay hydrated. You know what I'm saying? Um, we bought these things called Element. They're like little packets. You put them in there. you got to have salt in your water when you're drinking, but not the bad salt, the good salt, the healthy stuff. <sighs> I was struggling. Because cold showers are real hard, okay? They'll, I even tried a, I, I tried a cold bath, and I, I'll let you know one thing. It didn't, Carly, Carly was there that night. I was screaming. I was in pain. I was in pain. I was not prepared. And this, there, there wasn't even ice in it. There wasn't even ice in it. There wasn't even ice in it. But I was, I was trying to get everything I possibly could out of my body in my own strength to make sure that I am prepared for when this baby comes out and I go long. Got him. Okay? Hopefully that's not going to be the case. That would be real bad. She's crying over here. She's like, stop talking about me having a baby. But needless to say, I, I, I thought that by the time my baby comes, I need to have all the cash, all the clothes, and all the cures to all my issues, okay, before I can receive God's gift in my life, right? And we look at, we've been going through Revelation. Yeah, the title of my message today is Cash, Clothes, and Cures, okay? We're going to talk about money in church today. You okay with that? Okay? We're going to talk about clothes in church, if you're okay with that. And cures. And you're like, what? Cures? That's just not, okay. We'll get there. And we've been going through Revelation, and we've been reading the letters, and I have the opportunity to go through the last letter of the seven churches, the church of, some would say, Laodicea, some would say, Laodicea. I was at work the other day, and I said, yeah, I'm preaching about Laodicea, and this girl goes, you mean Laodicea. And I was like, you mean you're annoying, <laughs> right? Leo, loud, tomato, tomato, potato, potato. Why do I care? I said it. It's a place. It exists, okay? And technically in the Greek, the C is a hard C, so it's Laodicea. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's actually, whoever, whoever founded this joint back in the day, it's named after his wife, Laodicea, okay? And it actually means 
I forget the thing, but basically Laodicea means the ruling class, the, the ruling people, ruling people. And you'll see why that's funny. Um, so let's read it. We're going to read it first and hop into it. And I believe when we read this passage, we actually get to understand what the heck was going on in Laodicea. Laodicea. That it might just encourage you today. So let's read. Uh, this is chapter 3, verse 14. Get there, get there. I'll give you 30 seconds. Just kidding. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write. This is Jesus talking. This is Jesus' words. So pay attention. These are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. That's kind of an important role. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, everyone say lukewarm. lukewarm. Everyone yell lukewarm. lukewarm. The church don't like that word. That's a scary word for people. Because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Pause. We've all grown up with that verse. Whether you've even touched the church, heard of the church, you've heard lukewarm, I'm about to spit you out my mouth. And we immediately go, <gasps> am I even saved? We're going to get there. We're going to talk about more about that. Jesus says, you say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You ever had that experience where you go to Jesus and you're like, I'm good. And he's like, psych, I'm about to roast you. He's not, that's not his heart. Okay? He's not here to roast you. But they're like, I got it all together. And he's like, psych. You're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, naked. The list goes on. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Another scary word. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Yes. So let's read this one more time. Just kidding. Okay. I know your deeds that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. And then what do we do? We skip right to the other part in the church, and we go, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Now, a lot of people, I would say, were biblically illiterate, okay? I'd say the mass majority of America specifically in the world, we're just kind of, we hear things said from pulpits from streets, from classrooms and different places. And we really just focus on what I've seen is we focus on the lukewarm portion. You're hot nor cold. I'm going to spit you out my mouth because you're lukewarm. You're not good enough. Bye. Or we talk to unbelievers and say, Jesus stands at your door and he knocks. Let him in. 
You didn't, did you let them in yet? Did you let them in yet? You know? And we're speaking to, to non-believers, which is great. He does stand at the door of the non-believer and knocks. But this is talking to the church, to believers, saved peoples, you, maybe even more scary. Okay. Now, to actually understand Laodicea, we got to understand everything else around Laodicea. So in the spirit of maps, I have a map. Okay. Map. Yay. Okay. Okay. And no, I don't need someone to come up here and read, which you can already read. Okay. <laughs> now, I really wanted to Photoshop Dora on here with the map. And be like, Where is it? Where is it? Who remembers watching Dora and you're like, it's right there, bro. And the map's just sitting in the corner like, okay. Okay. Backpack. Okay. So we got Laodicea right there with the star. Yay. Okay. Up north, we got Hierapolis. Now, if it's pronounced a certain way, I don't care. It's Hierapolis today. All right. Hierapolis. And then below, uh, uh, south, southeast, we have Colossae. Okay? So, everyone say, Laodicea. Hierapolis. Colossae. I like to think I'm pretty Colossae. Okay? <laughs> wow. Reaching. Okay. Dad joke. Almost. I'm almost there. Okay. Okay. And then we have trade routes and rivers. Now, ironically enough, what I think is funny, what's Peoria called? River City. These three places here are called the Lycan River Cities. Scary. Okay. And cool, but maybe. Now, we have the letter to the Colossians. Who knows about that? Okay. We don't necessarily have a letter to Laodicea other than what Jesus says to the people. And we definitely don't know anything about Hierapolis. <laughs> Some of y'all in this morning going, what is a Hierapolis, right? So Hierapolis up north, okay, they were known for hot springs. They had these beautiful hot springs, and they'd flow over uh, this cliff, and the minerals and the minerals would fall over the cliff, and it would turn it into like a white, stony substance because of all the, the stuff, right? So they had these hot springs. People would go there. They'd get, you know, all warm and, and stuff. My, my wife's having a, a baby shower today and then next week as well, and I'm kind of jealous because I want a jacuzzi. She gets a shower. I can't even get a what – what do guys get? Nothing, okay? I'm trying to – I need a hot spring moment in my life, okay? And so – We've got, Hierapolis up north has hot water. Let's just put it like that simply. H for hot. South, we got Colossae. They were known for mountain springs. Okay? This is a rather mountainous area around here, and you've got rivers flowing and starting from all these places. Okay, so we got mountain spring water moving here, and then we got hot spring water moving down here. Now, Laodicea was a city built on a hill. And who knows that Jesus says a city built on a hill should not be hidden. Okay? 
We're going to get there. So, Laodicea, because it's in an elevated position, and then you've got these places several miles north and several miles south, Laodicea does not have a source of water. How are we going to get, how do we get, we're so used to having water, we think about it, and it's here, right? In my house, I have access to clean water, drinking water, but apparently this water has forever chemicals in it now. I mean, I grew up my whole life drinking out the, the, the hose. That's fine. But now I can't even drink out the faucet because it has forever chemicals. And now we need a filter. But the filtered water tastes funny. It tastes like the fridge. So now we got to have <laughs> my wife crack it up. Uh, so now we've got to get bottled spring water. Can we just drink water, guys? I mean, drinking water in the first place is good. Okay, so they have to pipe this water up to Laodicea via aqueduct. All right, now these aqueducts are made of stone. I don't know about you, but the last time I drank out of stone was never. <laughs> okay, when I go to Ikea, there's no stone cups. Plastic cups. Colored plastic cups that stack neatly together. Who has those? Anyone have those? Some of you. You're cultured. Very good. So Laodicea, the water comes to a point, and it settles in these wells. And because of the differing min minerals, and by the time it gets from these miles away places, it becomes, everyone say it, lukewarm. The water gets further away from the source and becomes lukewarm. Jesus says, I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Now, hot springs, when you get into hot springs or you go to, you get in a jacuzzi, it feels what? <sighs> Relaxing. It's healing. It's medicinal, right? It's, we... We take hot showers after a long day, and it relieves us of our stresses and pains. And then we have amazing thoughts in the shower, because shower thoughts are the best. Cold water, none of us look at cold water like it's evil. Cold water is refreshing. On a 98-degree day, where are you going? The pool. The water, cold. Okay? Cold showers have their benefits, too. Okay? Cold water has always been good. But lukewarm, you go to pick up that glass of milk that's been sitting there for a little bit. Right? Or the water that's just kind of sat there. There's no stream. There's no movement. There's no action. It gets kind of nasty, and there's a dross over it, right? Now, Laodicea, as we will find out, it's a very nice place, okay, a very rich place. They, they're, they're showing off. They're claiming it. Jesus says, you say, I'm rich. I have needed nothing. I got it all. We're a city built on a hill. We got everything. We got the biggest church around here. We're flexing. We got the nicest clothes. We got all this medicine. We're good to go. We got money. Naturally, people would come to them. For things. They were the biggest banking system in the area that had the finest clothes in the area, and they had a medical school. So this was a hot spot for Asia at the time. So when people came to Laodicea, unsuspecting tourists would drink this water that was nasty and lukewarm, and 
they would spit it out. They would, it would cause an uneasiness of the stomach, and they would vomit it out. Why? Because it was no longer fit for use. Okay, so we've established Jesus is not saying, I'd rather you be saved and prove it to me that you're really hot and on fire and, or be an atheist. Has it not been taught like that forever? I'd prefer you would either blank and get off the, the pot. Right? No. Yeah, you're thinking about it. He's not saying, I'd rather you hate me and be evil and cold-hearted against me than on fire and proving to the entire world that you're on fire. By the way, how, can, how do we even know who's on fire? That's a whole other, I mean... You know, I went to an IHOP conference. Who knows IHOP, okay? IHOP Kansas City, right? Super Pentecostal charismatic. I went there. I went to Hillsong in college. This kid found out about it who goes to IHOP, and he said, I'm lukewarm because I went to Hillsong and not IHOP. Based on what? (laughs) Okay. But then at Hillsong, I was called lukewarm because I didn't read the Bible for five hours a day. Okay. A lot of mental gymnastics to get to the lukewarm part. Okay, but Jesus says, because you are lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out my mouth. So let's get into what made them lukewarm, because I think we skip over that. We get to the lukewarm part, we freak out, and we go, am I lukewarm? Am I lukewarm? Am I saved, but really, like, do I have to be super saved and be hot? Because the closer I am to lukewarm, maybe that makes, means I'm cold. I don't know. So what are the three things? That caused these folks to become lukewarm. Let me tell you, it was cash, clothes, and cures. Cash, clothes, and cures. Now, cash, clothes, and cures in them of themselves are not bad. The love of money is the root of evil, not money. Money is a thing. It's a monetary value. Okay? So Jesus says, you say, I'm rich, I have acquired wealth, do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, naked. I counsel you to buy gold from me, refine in the fire, so you can become rich, and white clothes to wear, so you can cover your shameful nakedness, and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. So the first thing we're going to talk about is cash. Everyone say cash. Where is Cashy? She's in the room, isn't it? There's a girl here named Cash, and she rides sheep, or something like that. Okay? <laughs> She's a cowgirl. Um, you'll see her after church with her cowgirl hat. Just letting you know. I'm not talking about that cash. I'm talking about money, cash, dollars, cents. Cash. Now, I said earlier, Laodicea was one of the had the one of the biggest banking systems in that area in Asia. Okay, so people would come there. They would do all their banking. They, you know, they do their deposits and do X, Y, and Z and whatever. And ironically, in 60 A.D. Laodicea is built on a fault line. That's unfortunate. Earthquake came through, destroyed the whole city. Destroyed all Laodicea. And Rome reached out to help them. And Laodicea said, nope, we got it. We got, we got enough money. We can do it. Well, they rebuilt themselves. Okay. So, ironically, when a church is planted... People get saved from the outside, right? They, they are, we are not, we're in the world, we're not of the world. 
Jesus saves them, calls them to be separate, right? But then the attitude of the culture in Laodicea is we have it all together. We don't need any help from the outside. And therefore, they pushed Jesus to the outside. Who has seen, and we'll get to it later, who has seen the picture of Jesus knocking on the door, right, that painting? If you notice on the painting, there's no door handle on the outside. That painting is called Christ, or the church with Christ on the outside. And that's what Laodicea was beginning to do, because they had all this wealth. And then the Council of Jerusalem, the Jews, they asked for financial help from Laodicea. And Laodicea threw 22 and a half pounds of gold at them like it was nothing. Now, in today's money, that's around 600 grand. Okay. And you're like, okay, did the Jews need 600K? I don't know. I need 600K. I'm having a child. Okay. It's probably going to cost $700,000 to raise a child. I don't know. I don't know the math on that. But back in the day, that's a rare earth material. Gold was one of the finest materials in the world. And if you had a lot of gold, you had a lot of status, a lot of wealth. And they so casually were just like, here's 22 and a half pounds of it. We're good. So they had all the money, but the attitude, the mindset was, because we have everything, I need nothing else. But what does scripture say? The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. It's not, I have money, therefore I lack nothing. Because Jesus says, you have all the money in the world. You have, all, you have the best job in the world. You make a quarter of a million a year. You're fine. You're good. You don't need help, but the poor people do. That's not, no, he's saying you are poor, pitiful, wretched. Why? Because they trusted in their riches. They were trusting in the fact we can rebuild ourselves. We can do it all ourselves. And that's, that's the, the plot hole I was falling into when I found out I was having a kid. I'm like, well, shoot, now I need to do it all myself. I need to prepare and get everything set up and get all the investments set up and have three to six months of expenses and make sure I'm making as much money as possible and selling everything I own so that I have enough money. In and of itself doesn't sound bad, right? But we're so used to our culture being like, we're well off, we're fine. I've got this. And none of what I said in the beginning did you hear me say, I went to Jesus. Bing, red flag, right? I didn't mention Jesus once. It was me. Cold shower AG. I took one yesterday, and I tell you what, I'm still taking them, okay? But I just don't trust in the cold shower because the cold shower don't bring me joy anyway. Okay. So they trusted in their cash. Jesus says if you serve money, you won't serve God. You can't serve both masters. You'll end up hating one or the other, serving this one, not that one. So what happens when God gets in the way of your money? What happens when he calls you to give exceedingly abundantly above everything else and it's going to cause a pain point in your life? Will you say, well, no, I, I need this money because I've got something coming up. Or will you say, no, I trust you, Jesus, because you're the one who provides all your needs according to his riches in Christ. Okay? Number two, so we got cash. They trusted in cash. Number two, we have clothes. That's my favorite part. I like clothes. But I sold all of them. <laughs> so I wear this every day. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> 
All right. Now, I purposely wore all black today for a reason. All right? I'll tell you why. So, Jesus says, you are naked. Why? Well, can we pull the map back up? Please. Okay. So, again, we have trade routes. People coming in, going out. All right? People come in here to bank. Now, who knows, when you travel to a city and you go one place, you don't just go to that one place. You go to other places and you buy stuff. Okay. We go to Chicago, Carly and I, and we're like, oh, we're just going to visit. Like, we're going for, like, this one thing. And then next thing you know, it's like, oh, let me, what is this? Does this look good? Do you think I could wear this? $120 for a pair of shorts. Right? You start, you branch out. Laodicea had these, uh, this breed of sheep, okay? And they had a, which is ironic that they had all these sheep, because they were sheep. Meh. At least they were following the sheep. They were sheeple. <clears throat> these, the, these sheep, what do you call them? Sheep eye? I'm not a farmer. Tucker, what do you call sheep? Multiple sheep. Sheep? Okay, everyone's like, that's dumb, Alex. Why are you even asking that question? Everyone knows that sheep is, is multiple and one. Okay. I'm a city boy, bro. I don't know. I would have not have survived in Bible times. Jesus talking about plants and seeds. I'd be like, how, even, how big is a mustard seed? Right. Okay. So they have these sheep. And the sheep, they have a darker wool. All right. And through a spe- specific and special washing and dyeing process, they turned this wool into black wool. Okay, so it was this glossy black wool, and they had so much of it, they would make all their clothing out of it, all right? And then they were also known for having a lot of cosmetic stuff. So you could basically say Laodicea was like the Balenciaga and Ulta of Asia Minor, okay? They had it going on. So people come, they'd buy these black clothes. It was a uh, well-known thing that in that culture, the type of clothes you wore indicated your level of status, and if you're the only place that has something, it's more valuable. So they'd ship out these black clothes, people come in and buy it, and only that industry only attributed to their banking status, right? They got money coming in, they got money going out, they got more money coming in. So they, these people were wearing black a lot, all right? And I wore black just kind of as a thing, because half my clothes is black. Anyway, I like black. It's easy, it's simple, it goes with everything, it goes with itself. But, again, they were trusting in their status, okay? Now, Jesus, what does he say? I counsel you to buy from me white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness. All right. So when light comes from the sun and it doesn't reflect, well, all the, all the light doesn't reflect, it's black. Black clothing, black things, okay, do not reflect the light. So Jesus is saying, ironically, you're so obsessed with black clothing, you're not reflecting my light. And that could be anything in our life, right? You're so obsessed with blank that you can't even reflect who I've called you to be. And they're wearing it. So it was a physical representation of their spiritual status. They were a city built on a hill, and guess what? The lampshade was on them. No light to the rest of the world. 
Okay. What does white represent in scripture? Most of, most of the time, purity, righteousness. And he calls them to buy from him white clothes. Now, is there an actual transaction going on where they're, they're Jesus, here's my, here's my money. Here's some white clothes. No. They're still probably wearing black and wearing whatever color else they wanted to wear. But it's the imagery. Jesus is saying, clothe yourself in righteousness and not the things of the world. These people were so concerned with their walk-in closet that they forgot about their prayer closet, right? That's a word for some of y'all. I got to have that walk-in closet. No, you got to get on your knees and pray. I'm guilty of this. I felt like Laodicea several months ago. And to be honest, I was down here feeling dry as all get out. Okay, forget lukewarm. I was, I don't know. Wasn't cold because I wasn't useful for nothing. Wasn't hot. Wasn't, you know, doing whatever. I was just stagnant in my faith. And you know what it came from? It came from doing everything in my own strength, in my own power, to prepare for something. Until I'm down here, and I heard the Lord. I was back there. He said, just go up and trust me. And I'm like, oh, I haven't gone up in a while because who knows? When you start, you get further and further away from the source. You kind of start doubting. Did I really hear that? Does he really want me to do that? Well, no, I don't need to do that anymore. Like, I've kind of placed myself here, and this just is what it is now. I guess God had different plans for me. No. So I came up here, and I'm like, God, I need more of you. And I felt awful saying this. I felt fake saying this because of how I was living and how far I I knew I was and that I was not in Scripture, not praying, not actually trying to draw close to God. And I was like, I mean, I feel like a phony up here on my knees praying. People probably think I'm spiritual, but actually I feel like a heathen. And all of a sudden, Heidi walks over, and she's like, I feel like God is saying he wants more intimacy with you. And I start crying. Because I'm like, me too. And then a couple weeks later, same thing. I'm down here again, and I'm out here praying, Lord, I miss intimacy with you. I miss being close to you. And towards the end, we'll see that, we'll see that the proximity thing is a huge deal. And then Heather came up to me, put her hands on me. She's like, I feel like the Lord's saying he wants to have more intimacy with you. And I'm like, I just said that. How did he know? <laughs> How did he know? Because he knows what you need before you even know you need it. So we can't trust in our own, our own ability to have wealth. We can't trust in the clothes we wear. And lastly, we can't trust in our own ability to have science fix everything. Okay. Now, I had nothing against ibuprofen, okay? I work with a guy. He's like, ibuprofen's of the devil. I'm like, it's helped me a lot. (laughs) Every time I pop one of them joints, I'm out here like, you want to buy a car, sir? 
without ibuprofen, I'm out here like, hey, hey, is this what old people feel like? Uh, whoa, okay. <laughs> okay. I counsel you to buy from me salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Okay, so Laodicea had a medical school, and they were known for creating this salve to put on people's weak eyes to help them see better. Now, who's heard of myopia? Okay. Myopia is, uh, I believe, nearsightedness. Okay. And so, I've always thought about this, but it never hit until I got to this point, prepping for this message. What would Alex Gray have done in Bible times? Because I can't see Jack without these. I'm blind, bro. I'll tell you what. All y'all look like blobs. Okay? It's rough. I look totally different, too. I don't even know. Ah, okay. Now, who knows? Going just a couple minutes without your glasses, you start getting a headache, your eyes start getting strained, whatever. So they created this salve to put on people's eyes that had myopia um, to help them see. But did you know? Okay, now, you can't believe everything you believe on Google. Okay, but to this day, there's really not a cure for it. You can put it off, but there's not a cure unless you get surgery. Okay, now, that's cool, but ain't nobody shaving nothing off of my eyes. I'll <laughs> tell you that much, okay? My brother got LASIK eye surgery, and he said he could smell the heat coming off of his eyes because they're laser etching your eyes off of yourself. What? I don't know if God had that design. I don't know. I don't know. He was like, bro, you're just going to have to get some salve on that joint. Put some mud on it. So myopia, if you don't know, it's when light doesn't come all the way through and hit the back of the cornea correctly. And so the further something is away, the blurrier it becomes, the harder it is to see. That was Laodicea's problem. They're so far away from the source, from the very person, the very light, the true light of the world that came to us to get rid of darkness. They're so far away from him, they were blurring the lines. And this hits home for me because I have glasses. I get it. And trust me, no doctor has ever put salve in my eye, okay? However, when I was in sixth grade, and my mom and dad can attest to this, I was like, I'm over it. I'm over being called four eyes. I'm over looking nerdy, okay? Nowadays, glasses are like a statement. It's like a fashion statement, bro. If you got glasses on, it's like, oh, he's smart, you know, sophisticated. Or blind. <laughs> it's one of those three. It really is. So I went and got contacts, okay? Now, who's, who's, who's here wearing contacts? Repent. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Okay. Um, so I wore these suckers out. Now, some people, I wish I would have had the one-a-days, right? Just wear them once, throw them away, get the next one, throw them away. Boom. But no, no. We'd buy like a 50-pack or whatever, and then I'd have to, you know, put them in the little thing, and it would clean them, and it dissolve stuff, and I don't know how that works anymore. Sixth grade. But... 
I wore these suckers out from sixth grade to my junior year of high school, day and night, sleeping on them. They'd get drying out. They'd split, and then I'd be up in class like, teacher, can I go to the bathroom real quick? Right? Who's ever been there? A split contact is like a knife in the eye. Okay? You look dumb. This is what loud to see look like. We love you, Lord. Okay. So I get to my junior year, and, and I get to the point, I've got white stuff coming out of my tear ducts, white and yellow pus or whatever. Oh, the word. Everyone's like, okay. For real. Okay. My mom's like, he did. It was nasty. And went to the doctor. My eyes were getting red, you know. He looks under my eyelids, and under my eyelids, all right, are these, he's, this is the word he used, octopus-like spots under my eyelids, like suction cups, okay? And the ridge of my contact so bothered my eyelids so much that I developed this situation. He said, the only way to fix this is you go back to wearing glasses. And I was like, no! I'm not going to look cool anymore. I wanted to be like everyone else. You were born that way. You, 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 you can wake up and see. That must be nice. I want to be like that. So I got contacts, right? But I trusted in contacts so much to help me see that it drove me to the point of hurting my eyes. And so then what I, what I had to do, I repented of wearing contacts and put on glasses, the lenses that were made specifically for me, and guess what happened? I was healed. I can flip my eyelids out under here and I'm not gonna do that because that's weird. And there's not gonna be no octopus under there, okay? <laughs> but that was loud to see. On the outside, everything looked fine. They can see, they have no problem. But on the inside, they look like an octopus. We do that. Well, we've got money. But now I got I to gotta lifestyle inflate just a little bit. You know, I got I to gotta buy the big uh, car. I got to have the big house. I got to flex a little bit here. You're gonna, I got to have the shoes, the watch, the clothes. I got to make sure people know that I, you know what I'm working with. Who cares? Jesus don't care. He cares about this right here. And they were missing everything but that. They couldn't dress this up if they tried. Now, on the I part, we're going to move forward. We're going to read a verse in a second. And my, my mind blew up for a second. So let's throw it up. Let's throw it up there now. I'm just going to do it right now. Uh, Matthew 6, please. 19, 13, what is it? 19 to 33. Okay. Let's read it together. Once I get there in my own Bible. This is one of my favorite passages ever. All right. 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. 
but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, their Laodicea's treasure was in their treasury at home. There's pictures, if you Google Laodicea, some of the first pictures that are going to come up are of the banking centers with all these pillars. And you'll see how massive of an establishment this thing was. They took pride in this bank. They trusted in the bank instead of the one who provided the bank. Okay? Next, 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. That blew my mind this morning. Because I've read that, and I, I was always like, I don't know how to understand this half the time. What's he really saying? And I kind of got it. But when I started thinking about the myopia situation and how not enough light gets into the eye, and if your eyes are unhealthy, which they were, and that's why they were trying to solve it with salve, and it wasn't working. If the eye is a lamp of the body, and your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? The Laodiceans, because they had put their, basically all their investment into this eye salve, thought that they could make people see again. Taking the place of God's ability to heal their blindness. They could only see as far as their physical eyes could let them see. That's why sometimes when you have to envision something, you got to close your eyes. Because your physical eyes, you can't see everything that you think you see. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one or love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about the body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, one of the richest men ever to exist, was dressed like one of those. I bet you he had more than black clothes. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus paints, and his heart has stayed the same this whole time. Okay, those are his words, and his words are in Revelation. His heart has stayed the same. Stop trusting in the temporal and the things that you see. The riches that are here today and gone tomorrow. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first the things that you cannot see. And everything else will be given to you as well. Pagans run after the things and they don't seek the kingdom. 
believers should be seeking the kingdom while God provides the things in due time. Now check this out. Revelation 19. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Now, here's some background that's fun. It's widely known that the church would sometimes dabble in paganism. And they would compromise their faith by eating food sacrificed to idols. And they would sit at tables with people eating these food sacrificed to idols and just dabbling. Just a little bit of this won't hurt. Because that's the that's the culture of the day, right? Laodicea wasn't all Christian. There were Christians in Laodicea. And who knows if we're not careful around here, the people that you deal with, the people that you go to work with, etc., you can start to get a little like, well, maybe I'll just go out here once. Maybe I'll just go do X, Y, and Z. So when Jesus says, I'm standing at the door and knock, I want to come in and eat with you, that's him saying, when I come and eat with you and sit at your table, there ain't going to be nothing else there worthy of your attention. Jesus is going to be sitting there eating at your table. And how amazing is it that this beautiful Jesus, in the Greek, all these rebukes end with os, which is a compassionate term. He's not here saying, you're lukewarm. <clears throat> Stay down there and figure it out and prove to me how hot you can get. No. He rebukes those he loves and disciplines them. If your parents, you discipline your children because you want the best for them and because you love them and you don't want them to get hurt by the things that they think are helpful to them. Jesus restored Elijah with a meal. Jesus restored Peter at the end of his ministry with a meal. And now Jesus wants to restore you, the church, by sitting at your table and eating with you over a meal. He's not saying, get all the cash together, prove to me that you got it all together, then come find me. No, he knocks at the door. Business owner, he knocks at the door. Wealthy person, he knocks at the, at the door. Poor person, he knocks at your door. Poor in spirit, he knocks at your door but you're the one with the handle. He doesn't say, get dressed up, have it all together, then open the door. We got people coming over. We got to get it. We got to clean the house real quick. No, just open the door. He'll come in and restore you and eat with you. Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save it through him. John three seventeen, the part you forgot at school. And then what happens? We get this confused. To the one who's victorious, that doesn't mean you have to work for it. Your faith is not by works. It's the gift of God so that you cannot boast. Jesus is always painting this contrast. You're trusting in yourself. You believe too much in yourself. You've trusted in things and not me, the one who provides life, the Holy Spirit. 
To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious, sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I would love to encourage you this morning that Jesus has always had the same heart for you as the first day that you met him. Because what I think is beautiful is I, I love unbelievers, but I, I really love the church too. This was all said to people who trusted in Christ. In the book of Colossians, Paul mentions Hierapolis and Laodicea because they were church plants. They, were, they started off as humble believers in a culture filled with status and money and, and, and it had everything. But they started drinking the water of the culture. They were drinking the lukewarm water of the culture. We think culture is so fun and fancy and it's popping out there and we got to be kind of like them in order to reach people. No. Their water has already stagnated. Jesus is the one that provides life. He is the cold and hot water. He is the living water. And the closer you get to him, your, your spiritual myopia will begin to fade. The closer you are to the source, the colder the water you will experience. The closer you get to this source, to the source, Christ, the fire that is in his heart will heat the water of your life. So he's calling you today to repent of your distance from the source. And it's not going to feel good all the time. Sometimes it takes action. When he called me to come up here on the front, we stress the altar a lot, not because there's something special about this, but because there's something special about you moving and saying, by faith, I'm going to trust you, Jesus, no matter what you call me to do. They were not trusting in Jesus. They were trusting in the fact that they've already trusted and he's given them everything, and so they need nothing else. Just because you have it all together doesn't mean you have it all together. The moment you start thinking you have it all together, you've lost it. Jesus says, <laughs> he says, you want to keep your life? Lose it. But if you want to hold on to it, you're, you're going to lose your life if you hold on to it. So, Father, I thank you for today. I thank you that in this moment right now, you're calling people by your Holy Spirit to repent of their willing dis uh, distance from you, of their unknown distance from you, repent of the lifestyle they've been living, and to draw close because you love them. You rebuke us, Jesus, out of compassion. And Holy Spirit, I pray that right now you would restore the joy of people's salvation to them in this moment, that then when they come close to you, Jesus, that you would fill them with your love, with your joy, with your peace, with your patience, with your kindness, all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that you would fall on them, Lord, that you would draw near to them, God, as they draw near to you. And God, even as they respond and they, they come back home 
as prodigals that the father runs to them with a ring and a robe. That you come running to them as much as they run to you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, move in this place. Release chains from people who have been stuck thinking that they have to prove to you and to other people that they're on fire. Striving in our own strength to prove that we're saved. Lord Jesus, you already did it on that cross. Lord, let the cross be something we look to today. In Jesus' name. Amen.